episode of the Bible Podcast. Today we're going to be covering chapters 26 and 27 in the book of Leviticus. Um, Before we begin, I wanted to start out with a prayer for each and every one of you, everyone listening. Faithful Father, thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. Death holds no power over you. The power that you use to conquer death now lives in us. Use our miracle working power to bring a breakthrough in our lives. May we know your all conquering power today, Lord. Hear our prayer. You have loved us and have freed us from our sins by your blood. To you be glory and power forever and ever. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Alright, chapter 26. Blessings for obedience. Do not make idols or set up carved images or sacred pillars or sculpture stones in your land so you may worship them. I am the Lord your God. You must keep my Sabbath days of rest and show reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you the seasonal rains. The land will then yield its crops and the trees of the field will produce their fruit. Your threshing season will overlap with the grape harvest, and your grape harvest will overlap with the season of planting grain. You will eat your fill and live securely in your own land. I will give you peace in the land, and you will be able to sleep with no cause for fear. I will rid the land of wild animals and keep your enemies out of your land. In fact, you will chase down your enemies and slaughter them with your swords. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand. All your enemies will fall beneath your sword. I will look favorably upon you, making you fertile and multiplying your people, and I will fulfill my covenant with you. You will have such a surplus of crops that you will need to clear out the old grain to make room for the new harvest. I will live among you, and I will not despise you. I will walk among you, I will be your God and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, so you will no longer be their slaves. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck, so you can walk with your heads held high. Punishments for Disobedience However, if you do not listen to me or obey all these commands, and if you break my covenant by rejecting my decrees, treating my regulations with contempt, and refusing to obey my commands, I will punish you. I will bring sudden terrors upon you, wasting diseases and burning fevers that will cause your eyes to fail and your life to ebb away. You will plant your crops in vain because your enemies will eat them. I will turn against you and you will be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you and you will run even then no one is chasing you. And if... In spite of all of this, you still disobey me. I will punish you seven times over your sins. I will break your proud spirit by making the skies as unyielding as iron and the earth as hard as bronze. 
all your work will be for nothing for your land will yield no crops and your trees will bear no fruit if even when you remain hostile toward me and refuse to obey me i will inflict disaster on you seven times over for your sins i will send wild animals that will rob you of your children and destroy your livestock your numbers will dwindle and your roads will be deserted and if you fail to learn the lessons and continue your hostility toward me then i myself will be hostile toward you i will personally strike you with calamity seven times for your sins i will send armies against you to carry out the curse of the covenant you have broken when you run to your towns for safety i will send a plague to destroy you there and you will be handed over for your enemies i will destroy your food supply so that 10 women will need only one oven to bake bread for their families they will ration your food by weight and though you have food to eat you will not be satisfied if in spite of all this you still refuse to listen and still remain hostile toward me then i will give full vent to my hostility i myself will punish you seven times over for your sins then you will eat the flesh of your own sons and daughters I will destroy your pagan shrines and knock down your places of worship. I will leave your lifeless corpses piled on top of your lifeless idols, and I will despise you. I will make your cities desolate and destroy your places of pagan worship. I will take no pleasure in your offerings that should be a pleasing aroma to me. Yes, I myself will devastate your land, and your enemies who come to occupy it will be appalled. and what they see I will scatter you among the nations and bring out my sword against you your land will become desolate and your cities will lie in ruins then at last the land will enjoy its neglected sabbath years as it lies desolate while you are in exile in the land of your enemies then the land will finally rest and enjoy the sabbaths in mist as long as the land lies in ruins it will enjoy the rest you never allowed it to take every 7th year while you lived in it and for those of you who survive i will demoralize you in the land of your enemies you will live in such fear that the sound of a leaf driven by the wind will send you fleeing you will run as though fleeing from a sword and you will fall even when no one pursues you though no one is chasing you you will stumble over each other as though fleeing from a sword You will have no power to stand up against your enemies. You will die among the foreign nations and be devoured in the land of your enemies. Those of you who survive will waste away in your enemies' lands because of their sins and the sins of their ancestors. But at last, my people will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors for betraying me and being hostile toward me. When I have turned their hostility back on them and brought them to the land of their enemies, And at last their stubborn hearts will be humbled and they will pay for their sins then now remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham and I will remember the land for the land must be abandoned to enjoy its years of sabbath rest as it lies deserted at last the people will pay for their sins for they have continually rejected my regulations and despised my decrees but despite all this I will not utterly reject or despise them while they are in exile in the land of their enemies i will not cancel my covenant with them by wiping them out for i am the lord their god for their sakes i will remember my ancient covenant with their ancestors 
whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of all the nations that I might be their God. I am the Lord. There are the decrees, regulations, and instructions that the Lord gave through Moses on Mount Sinai as evidence of the relationship between himself and the Israelites. So here in chapter 26, uh, verses 11 through 13, God's promises of rewards for Israel's obedience culminate in the power, in the powerful affirmation of his love for his people. Again, the Exodus is used as a reminder that God took them from bondage and humiliation and lifted them up to become a people of dignity. As we learn to obey him, God offers the, us the same hope. His deliverance can provide us with a new life of moral and spiritual dignity. God assures us of this by bringing Christ's personal presence into each Christian's life. In verses 14 through 39, here God warns his people about what will happen to those who are disobedient to God's laws. After reading this, some might get the idea that God is harsh and unloving. It might seem that he delights in punishing those who refuse to do things his way. But this long list of warnings about the consequences of sin actually reveals God's love for his people. God doesn't want us to suffer. He doesn't want to punish us. But God also understands the destructive consequences of sin. He knows that certain activities will cause suffering to us and those around us. So he wants us away from them, giving us a plan to follow that will lead to holy and joyful living. God's plan, though viewed by some as restrictive, is actually the path to a life of true fulfillment. In verses 40 through 42, even after a harsh warning for those disobedient to his laws, God shows great love for his people in this promise of restoration. God delights in restoring those who repent. The parable of the prodigal son also tells of a loving father who delights in finding his lost son. Even if we have fallen away from him, God still wants, God still waits with open arms for us to return. Chapter 27 Redemption of Gifts Offered to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If anyone makes a special vow to dedicate someone to the Lord by paying the value of that person, here is the scale of values to be used. A man between the ages of 20 and 60 is valued at 50 shekels of silver, as measured by the sanctuary shekel. A woman of that age is valued at 30 shekels of silver. A boy between the ages of 5 and 20 is valued at 20 shekels of silver. A girl of that age is valued at 10 shekels of silver. 
A boy between the ages of one month and five years is valued at five shekels of silver. A girl of that age is valued at three shekels of silver. A man older than 60 is valued at 15 shekels of silver. A woman at that age is valued at 10 shekels of silver. If you desire to make such a vow but cannot afford to pay the required amount, take the person to the priest. He will determine the amount for you to pay based on what you can afford. If your vow involves giving an animal that is acceptable as an offering to the Lord, any gift to the Lord will be considered holy. You may not exchange or substitute it for another animal, neither a good animal nor a bad one, nor a bad animal for a good one. But if you do exchange one animal for another, then both the original animal and its substitute will be considered holy. If your vow involves an unclean animal, one that is not acceptable as an offering to the Lord, then you must bring the animal to the priest. He will assess its value and his assessment will be final, whether high or low. If you want to buy back the animal, you must pay the value set up by the priest plus 20%. If someone dedicates a house to the Lord, the priest will come to assess its value. The priest's assessment will be final, whether high or low. If the person who dedicated the house wants to buy it back, he must pay the value set by the priest plus 20%. Then the house will again be his. If someone dedicates to the Lord a piece of his family property, its value will be assessed according to the amount of seed required to plant it. 50 shekels of silver for a field planted with five bushels of barley seed. If the field is dedicated to the Lord in the year of Jubilee, then the entire assessment will apply. But if the field is dedicated after the year of Jubilee, the priest will assess the land's value in proportion to the number of years left until the next year of Jubilee. Its assessed value is reduced each year. If the person who dedicated the field wants to buy it back, he must pay the value set by the priest plus 20%. Then the field will again be legally his. But if he does not want to buy it back and it is sold to someone else, the field can no longer be bought back. When the field is released in the year of Jubilee, it will be holy, a field specially set apart for the Lord. It will become the property of the priests. If someone dedicates to the Lord a field he purchased, he has purchased by him, but which is not part of his family property, the priest will assess its value based on the number of years left until the next year of Jubilee. On that day, he must give the assessed value of the land as a sacred donation to the Lord. In the year of Jubilee, the field must be returned to the person whom, from whom he purchased it, the one who inherited it as family property. You may not dedicate a firstborn animal to the Lord, for the firstborn of your cattle, sheep, and goats will already belong to him. However, you may buy back the firstborn of a ceremonially unclean animal by paying the priest's assessment of its worth plus 20%. If you, do not, if you do not buy it back, the priest will sell it as at its assessed value. However, anything specially set apart for the Lord, whether a person, an animal, or family property must never be sold or brought back. Anything devoted in this way has been set apart as holy, and it belongs to the Lord. No person specially set apart for destruction may be bought back. 
such a person must be put to death. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belong to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. If you want to buy back the Lord's tenth and of the grain of fruit, you must buy it its value plus 20%. Count off every tenth animal from your herd and flocks and set them apart for the Lord as holy. You may not pick and choose between good and bad animals and you may not substitute one for another. But if you do exchange one animal for another, then both the original animal and its substitute will be considered holy and cannot be bought back. These are the commands that the Lord gave through Moses on Mount Sinai for the Israelites. So today we finish we're finishing up our reading in Leviticus and as God wraps up this covenant conversation with Moses on Mount Sinai during visit 2.0 he does something that's pretty standard for a covenant agreement he sets out the expectation for blessings and curses based on whether the covenant is kept or broken this is a standard arrangement for covenants listing footnotes at the end if Israel remains faithful to God's laws and keeps his Sabbath He'll bless them in obvious ways with peace, abundance, and security. While they'll still have enemies, they'll have victory over them. But if they don't stay faithful to him, five phases of curses will follow their rebellion. If at any point they repent, he won't execute the next phase. The phases increase in intensity as they progress with the final phase being exile and scattering from the land he promised to give them. Other terrible things come along with this too. Hearts full of fear and paranoia, defeat at the hands of foreign armies, and a lack of food so pronounced that it leads to cannibalism. God says he'll make their heavens like iron and their earth like bronze meaning the sky won't rain and the ground will be too hard to plant food. In that setting, most of them would die, never returning from exile. And as a result of their sins, their kids would be raised up in the lands of foreign enemies, just like they had been. If they break the covenant, these curses are intended to wake them up and prompt repentance to repent means to turn away from our sins and toward God. God is working out discipline, not punishment. Discipline is the act of any loving father whose child is walking in rebellion. If this weren't discipline, if he were casting off these people altogether, he wouldn't be outlining the chance for repentance and redemption. In chapter 26, Yahweh makes vows to the people and in chapter 27 we see the people's vows to him each person is supposed to either serve in the sanctuary or make a financial vow levites serve and the other tribes pay the vow this ensures that everyone has an investment in the work for the in the work of the sanctuary <laughs> 
No one sits on the bench. Everybody participates. The vow values are adjusted based on what that person would contribute with physical labor. This shows us God's detailed care for people in their life circumstances. He says, The priest shall value him according to what the vower can afford. Wealthier people people can vow their animals or houses or land to God too. If they give land, though, it reverts to the owner in the year of Jubilee. It's, it's, like, it's less like selling and more like a lease that ends in the Jubilee year. They aren't allowed to exchange land long term. It always reverts back to the person, family, or tribe God originally intended. He decides who gets what land and they can amend his plan. They don't actually have this land yet, but he but he's telling them in advance how to plan for what he will do when they're out of the desert and in the land he has promised. Today, the word teeth shows up for the first time in scripture, and the word literally means one-tenth. It's a donation of 10% of their income to the sanctuary. Even if that income is in the form of food or animals. This teeth helps provide for the Levites since they're doing the hard work of helping people draw near to God and for sanctuary maintenance. When God tells them how he'll respond if they break the covenant and then repent, That's not a standard part of ancient covenants. A broken covenant usually means an ended covenant, but God isn't letting go. He's providing an opportunity for them to turn back, showing them next level mercy. Even when they rebel, if they humble themselves and repent, God forgives. He won't break his covenant with them. He'll keep it and be their God. He keeps lit leaving the light on for them. With God, it's impossible to be too far gone. Whatever means he may or may not use to prompt repentance and discipline, he's working for our good and for our joy, to draw us back to himself. What a merciful God. He's where the joy is. That concludes our reading for today and also concludes the chapter or the the reading in Leviticus and I'm just going to leave you all off with a daily devotional for you all to take home today let me infuse my peace into your innermost being as you sit quietly in the light of my presence you can sense peace growing within you this is not something that you accomplish through self-discipline and willpower It is opening yourself to receive my blessing. In this age of of independence, people find it hard to acknowledge their neediness. However, I have taken you along a path that has highlighted your need for me, placing you in situations where your strengths were irrelevant and your weaknesses were glaringly evident. Through the aridity of those desert marches 
I have drawn you closer and closer to myself. You have discovered flowers of peace blossoming in the most desolate places. You have learned to thank me for hard times and difficult journeys, trusting that through them I accomplish my best work. You have realized that needing me is the key to knowing me intimately, which is the gift above all gifts. Amen. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of the Bible Podcast. Hope you all have a great day, and God bless each and every one of you.